0: God has given us some clear guidance and direction, and uh, it's an exciting time because what I believe God is positioning us as a church for. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning and turn your attention to um, Acts chapter 17. We begin reading in verse 1, now when they had passed through uh, Amphibolus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, I know that one where was a synagogue of the jews and paul as his manner was went in unto them and three sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures he had a strategy he'd go into the jewish synagogues and he would tell them from the old testament the prophecies he would show them who jesus was that he was the one they had been looking for opening and alleging that christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this jesus whom i preach unto you is christ this was his message and some of them believed and consorted with paul and silas they fellowshiped with him, and of the devout greeks a great multitude and of the chief women not a few but there's always going to be some that don't believe the jews which believed not moved with envy took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort i love the way that king james version describes i mean they found some hoodlums they found some thugs in the neighborhood and gathered a company and set all of the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of jason which is where paul and silas were staying and sought to bring to the people and when they found them not they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath Do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. I description, this is where we're taking our message from uh, when they described Paul and Silas in verse 6 and said, these that have turned the world upside down." Oh hallelujah. I want to talk to you this morning on this subject, apostolic disruption. Apostolic disruption. I wonder right now, if you would just lift your hands and your voices right now, would you pray and you'd ask the Lord's blessings on this message? In the name of Jesus Christ, God, we come before you right now. We ask for your anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. Let it fill this house right now in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, for your anointing on this message. Anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word. We desire you, Lord, to come into this place to make your power and your presence known. We trust in you, Lord. We lean upon you in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. There is a phrase that is used in the business world uh, that is called uh, disruptive innovation. Disruptive innovation. Innovation. 20 years ago, it was a theory that was identified and defined by a man by the name of Clayton Christensen to describe a trend in the business sector where upstart companies can totally change an entire segment of corporate industry. And the best way to describe this phenomenon, this trend, as it were, is to give examples. So here are just a few examples. Uh, Airbnb disrupted the hotel industry. Uber disrupted the taxi industry. Netflix disrupted the movie industry. Tesla disrupted the car industry. Amazon disrupted the retail industry. Bitcoin disrupted the currencies of nations and is continuing to do so. The list goes on and on. What is interesting about disruptive innovation is that the disruption does not occur from an insider. It is always from an outsider. Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla, was not an automotive guy. The founder of Airbnb was not a hotel guy. He was not some executive with Hilton or Marriott. He had no experience in the hotel industry. The founder of Bitcoin was not a currency guy. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, had no experience in retail. The story of disruptive innovation says that for a sector of business to truly be transformed, it is almost a prerequisite that the innovation come from the outside. They took notice of Paul and Silas. And they said, these that have turned the world upside down. They were apostolic disruptors. They disrupted the atmosphere and the culture of the time in which they lived. In Acts chapter 4, when they were called before the Sanhedrin, the supreme court of that day for the Jewish people, they realized these uh, Gamaliel and all of these learned, educated Judges They they listened to Peter and John describe uh, and say what happened, and they were trying to give an explanation of why this lame man had been healed that sat at the gate and was running through the temple worshiping Jesus. They thought they had executed Jesus and that this thing would die out, but it wasn't dying out. And so they called Peter and John, and they listened to them, and they observed them, and they attempted to find a way to have some kind of damage control to what was taking place and they took knowledge the Bible says and as they watched Peter and John and they listened to their words and they watched their body language uh, they took knowledge that they were unlearned that they were uneducated they were probably even uncouth they didn't have all the uh, the political diplomacy but they took knowledge knowledge. That they had been with Jesus. In other words, they were disruptors just like Jesus was a disruptor. Everything was running smooth until Jesus is born in Bethlehem, according to the Jews. They had their temple. They had their way of doing things. But Jesus was born. And he was an outsider. In fact, he was the ultimate outsider. God manifested the flesh. He was not of this world. He was not from this world. But He robed Himself in flesh. And now the apostles had uh, His same spirit. They had uh, not been born as uh, the Jewish hierarchy. They were fishermen. And and they were tax collectors. And they were a, a band of rogue individuals. But they were disruptors. And they disrupted the religious world and it has never been the same. And here we are 2,000 years later and you may say, Pastor, I wish I'd been born in the church. I wish I'd been raised in a Christian family. I don't feel like uh, that I belong. Don't you let the devil tell you a lie. You are positioned in a perfect way to be
1: an apostolic disruptor
0: but I'm an outsider I, I've made too many mistakes I, I've got too many questions oh my friend you are the one that God is wanting to use in this last day to disrupt what people think is status quo when it comes to religion but there is an army that is rising up there is an army of apostolic disruptors
1: that is rising up and God is saying I'm going to use them to disrupt the status quo business as usual he's looking for somebody that's hungry enough to say I don't care what anybody thinks I I desire
0: the real thing matters not who your daddy was it matters what's in your heart we are given the gift of the Holy Ghost and the revelation of the name of Jesus to be disruptors to shake up the status quo to not allow hell to operate in a status of business as usual We were called to disrupt, to turn the world upside down. We will not just sit by and let sin ravage our homes and our families. We choose to make a difference. We choose to disrupt with our message. You say, how are we going to disrupt? We're going to disrupt with our message because we have a message that disrupts the atmosphere. You can't preach Jesus Christ. You can't teach a Bible study without disrupting your atmosphere. It will disrupt the atmosphere of your job. It will disrupt the atmosphere of your school. It will disrupt the atmosphere of your homeowners association. It will disrupt your social club. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you just start talking about
1: Jesus, it messes things up
0: got to decide what do we want to do? Do we want to just go along and get along? Or do we want to come with a message of hope and a message of salvation and a message that challenges humanity? We live in a world that's filled with crisis and chaos. Everybody's on edge. Everybody's dealing with strife and fear. And they're all just, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like everybody's more stressed out than ever before. We were on a plane this past week, we had a layover in Atlanta, and while we were just sitting at the gate and waiting, there was a a group, like a gang of uh, young people, maybe, maybe young adults, but I would say teenagers, early 20s, and they were just sort of moving down the hall, and they were loud and carrying on. They stopped at Five Guys to order some food, and I mean, they weren't there very long, and they were already fussing and fighting and cussing and carrying on with the people working at Five Guys. And so, you know, people would walk down the hall and they just kind of, you know, walk away around them and everybody just kind of minding their own business, you know. We were sitting at our gate across from them and we just watching. And boy, they were carrying on and fussing and carrying loud and carrying on with the people at Five Guys and something was wrong with their food order and it was something. After a while, I mean, it finally died down and and they moved on, and we thought, well, they'll just move on to you know wherever they're flying to, whatever their gate is. But they all came over to where we were. We realized we were all going to be on the plane together.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so sure enough, well, we all got on the plane together, and, and uh, my wife and I, we were further back in the plane, back where the um, where the exit is, where the um, the exit row is. I like to get back there if I can because I can get extra extra room for my, my legs and all that. So, And also, if there's a problem, you can get off the plane first. So I I like sitting there by the door. And uh, these people came and they all filled in ahead of us. And the guy who I'd already determined was the leader of the group, he was sitting about two rows ahead of us. And uh, he was sitting on the aisle and and he uh, kept looking out the side window where his, his buddy was sitting to his left. And of course, there was a whole bunch of, everybody was all around and they, 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 they were all pretty, uh, they were all pretty uh, docile during the flight, thankfully. Because if we'd have had problems while we were in the air, the pilot would have had to make an emergency landing and all that. That would have disrupted our plans. But as it were, when we landed, which was Chicago at Midway Airport, uh, y- you know, the, these the, these types of gangs, they're just looking for somebody to react to them. And what drives them crazy if you just don't react to them, you know? And um, there was a guy with a Chicago Bulls hat on that was getting his bag out. And they were just, you know, pushing and shoving and, and all that. And they were probably excited to, to be at their final destination. So uh, they were grabbing bags and knocking each other over and carrying on and cussing. Really, really, really just horrific cussing. And um, I had watched this guy that I knew was their leader. And I had seen a look in his eye. As he had turned sideways, I was two rows behind him. But I had noticed that he, he had that look in his eye. And I've seen it many times in the Middle East and third world countries and places that we've gone around the world. And I had seen that look. I knew the look. And the look is a look of darkness. And it's a look of emptiness. And it, it's, a, it's a look of, of fear and terror. And I, I watched him during the flight. And I just saw as, as he looked out the side window that same look in his eye. That I had seen many, many times before, and so sure enough, when we landed and, and we were trying to get off the plane, everybody's pushing and shoving, and and this guy, you know, with the Chicago Bulls hat on, he he uh, he got pushed around as he was trying to get his bag out of the overhead, and so he just said, "Wait just a second, I'm trying to get my bag." Well, that's all. As soon as he said that, they all jumped him, and before I know it, we are in the middle of a riot. I mean, punches are flying, and bodies are flying all over. And everybody in the back of the plane, including Sister Amy and I, are trapped. And so before I know it, um, Sister Amy is over on my lap. And she's going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. She didn't ask me to help her because she knew that would be of no use. She went straight to the source. And said, Jesus, and all of a sudden, man, we had bodies that were flying over the chairs and people in the back started yelling. Then they started yelling at me to open up the side door, which, you know, I don't think you're supposed to just open that, you know, at any time you want. It's the emergency exit and there's a big wing there. And I'm like, I don't know who's going to go out that door. So they came on the intercom and said, you know, we've called the cops and you must disband right away. And da, da, da. so they finally, you know, got got their uh, act together and they they got off the plane. And I got to thinking how indicative that is of the world we live in. Now you may not see a physical riot driving down Emerson. You may. We're not exempt. But it's not maybe something that you actually see played out every day in your own natural eye. But there is a pressure. There is a pressure that is in the atmosphere. And I don't know if it's the result of COVID or or it's the season that we're in. I'm not sure what all the contributing factors are. But I know that it is the culture. It is a culture of unrest and strife and turmoil and pain. And here we are, ladies and gentlemen, we are to be a light that shineth in a dark place. I say to you today that we are not called to just hunker down in our homes and hunker down in our minds and to just go with the flow. We were called to be disruptors. We were called to make a difference with the lives that we live and the message that we proclaim we choose to disrupt the strife and the chaos and the hurt and the pain of this day and age with a message of hope with a message
1: of peace we choose to declare that jesus christ is the hope of a lost and dying world that jesus christ
0: is indeed the prince of peace for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus was a disruptor. Because He was the Prince of Peace. And He came into a world that was full of war and strife. And He disrupted it with a message of peace. He was born in the midst of turmoil. The birth would be in occupied territory. It was not even at home. I don't know if you're like me, but if you're ever sick or you're hurting, you want to be at home. You want to go to the doctor that you're familiar with, the hospital you're familiar with. You want to be in your own home. You don't even want to go out of town to go to the dentist. You want to go with those that you're familiar with. Can you think about how disruptive of a world that Jesus was born into? The census had totally disrupted all their plans. If Mary was in Nazareth, her family and her friends would help her. But this census that the Roman emperor had declared so that they could increase their taxes of the occupied territories, this census, just ups and moves everybody unto another place to the place of their nativity where they were born there was no support system in Bethlehem a strange town, strange people a strange place Mary away from her sisters and her mother and all the support system that you would want in the birth of a child especially your first child had disappeared and then the housing situation was inadequate and in a motel, no I don't think so Not even that. It was outside of an end. It was in a barnyard with animals all around. And if you were to ask Mary, I doubt that she would say, This looks like a good place to give birth to the Christ child. There was a lot of things about the timing of this situation that was very uncomfortable. This, my friend, was not the right place or the right time. If you were to ask Mary or Joseph, it was the timing of God, but it was not convenient for Mary. Sometimes, my friend, things happen in our life, and we say, this is not the right time for this. But you don't know what God's doing. God is at work. And I want to declare to you today that it's not unnatural to feel out of step in this world. In fact, if you're right with God, you're going to feel awkward in this world. But if you're comfortable with this world, then you're probably not right with God. I'll let that sink in for just a moment. If you feel peace in this life, it's because of the God that you serve. It's not because of this world. It is a natural human trait to regret yesterday, to worry about today, and to wonder about tomorrow. And so we as human beings need uh, and we desperately seek uh, after the means that will bring us uh, a sense of security and completeness. Uh, Oh, my friend, we have found
1: that in the message of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can speak peace into your world. He can change the atmosphere. He can deliver you from drugs and from alcohol and pornography. He can make a way where there seems to be no way.
0: He was not of this world. He was a prince of another kingdom. The definition of prince is monarch, king, the ruler of a principality or state. He was a prince with a message of peace. They didn't want peace. They wanted revolution. They wanted the Romans to be driven out of their land. They wanted a warrior. But he came with a message of peace. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Oh, I feel like preaching to somebody this morning. Let not your heart be troubled. You may have trouble on the other side, every side. You may have things you're facing right now. You're not sure how it's all going to work out. There may be a lot of uncertainty in your life, but I've come to give you a message of peace this morning. Let not your heart be troubled. It's going to be all right. God's in charge.
1: And God's going to disrupt all the chaos and the crisis in this world. And God is setting us up as the church to be able to proclaim to a lost and a dying world that Jesus Christ is the answer to the ills of society and the pain in this world. Jesus
0: is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, this is no time for us to be troubled or for us to live in fear, in waiting as it were, knowing that as Christians being led by the Spirit and sons of God, we have a future of eternal peace. We recognize that. But even when that hope of eventual peace, we have to then step back and say, but we're not there yet. We find solace in the fact that What may not be peaceful for us now may be the perfect environment for the gospel. I heard somebody the other day say, we may have to wear masks on airplanes from now on. Just that message right there makes me want to go march on Congress or... Whatever is necessary. People are all frustrated. People are wearing masks. People are... And things don't make sense. Like, you arrive in the airport and everybody's got to have a mask on. But then the tram that takes you from the gate to the terminal, all three of the buggies are all shut down, even though they're operating perfectly fine. And they have all of us crammed into the back two buggies. So we're not supposed to be next to each other, but yet we're all crammed into two cars with our mask on. No wonder people are upset. No wonder people are throwing punches. Everybody's
1: on edge because it doesn't make sense. This world we're in doesn't
0: make sense. People are fearful of their freedoms being taken away as they should be. People are living in a world where there's so much uncertainty. And it doesn't look like any of this stuff's going away anytime soon. But I feel something rising up in my spirit. That in the midst of all of this, He
1: has called us as a church to be a light that shineth in a dark place. And maybe everybody wearing a mask is just a metaphor that it would be good for all of us as Christians to keep quiet. But I feel something rising up in my spirit that says I want to declare to everybody that I meet, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus can save you. Jesus has hope. He has peace. He has everlasting life.
0: I believe that this is the greatest hour of the church. I believe that this is our season. And we are called to disrupt. But you say, what can I do? I don't have any gifts. I'm just trying to make it through each day. No, my friend, don't buy into the lies of the enemy. You are an apostolic disruptor how can i be that because you have the spirit of god you've been filled with the holy ghost baptized in jesus name you are an apostolic disruptor you have been chosen for such a time as this you are a christian you are christ-like jesus christ was the ultimate disruptor He was the ultimate outsider. They even said, what good thing could come out of Nazareth? Oh, he wasn't even born in Jerusalem. He's not even a part of the Sanhedrin. He's an outsider. I don't know about you, but there's so many times uh, I don't feel comfortable in this world. It reminds me of the old song that we used to sing. Oh, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I feel like there's something
1: inside of our hearts and spirits that's given us a longing for home to be with the Lord. But while we're here, we've got an opportunity to tell the world that Jesus can make a difference in your life. Jesus can change the atmosphere of your home. He can put lives back together. He can put marriages back together. He can bring peace
0: in the midst of the storm. And so we choose to disrupt with our message. Secondly, we choose to disrupt with our prayers. Do you realize that when you pray, you disrupt the spiritual atmosphere? We learn from Daniel that cities and countries and communities have a prince of the power of the air. That there is literally generals that hell sends out that has domain over the prince and the power of the air. There's a prince that's over Palm Bay and Melbourne that's straight from hell. It wants this society, this culture, this community to live in fear and heartache. To give everybody that empty, hollow look in their eye so that they wander around just thinking that there's nothing in life that's even worth living for. He wants to keep all of our young people strung out on drugs and contemplating suicide. He wants to keep homes broken and damaged because of pornography on the internet. But we choose to use the internet to proclaim the name of Jesus, God Almighty.
1: I feel the Holy Ghost if i got to preach all by myself. you got to recognize that when you pray, you disrupt the atmosphere. When you begin to call out the name of Jesus and say, I refuse for the devil to take my children. I refuse for the devil to steal my marriage and to take my joy. I'm going to get a hold of God. You don't understand it. But there's a disruption.
0: In Acts chapter 12, Peter the Apostle, the preacher of that early church, the one who Jesus had taken as a, an uncouth, uneducated outsider and given him the keys of the kingdom. He had been taken and put in jail. It looked like he would execute him in a few days. The Bible says in Acts 12 that Herod the king intended to kill him after Easter. In just a few days, the church got together and started to pray. Ooh. In fact, the Bible said they prayed without ceasing. They prayed all night. Verse 5 of Acts 12 says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Verse 6, And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, somebody said in the nick of time, God came through. They'd get ready to take him. And lead him up to the execution. That same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. Woo, that sounds like a pretty desperate situation. He's asleep. He's chained to two soldiers. And if that don't work, uh, we got more that are at the door. But verse 7 says, And behold... The angel of the Lord came upon him. What made the angel show up? It was the prayers of God's people
1: that unleashed an angel, hallelujah, to go into the prison.
0: What happened when that angel went there? And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light, somebody say a light, a light shined in the prison. Oh, hallelujah. When the church starts to pray, There's a
1: light that shines in the prison. (laughs) Oh, it doesn't matter what the situation is or how desperate it is. It may be sickness. It may be despair. It may be utter darkness. But there is a light.
0: There is hope. There is joy. There is a message of salvation that's coming. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up. I mean, he must have been sleeping deep. I don't know about you, but if I was getting executed the next day, I don't know how sleep, how well I could sleep. But God must have just given him a, a nice sleep. He just sleep like a baby. He's snoring. The angel literally has to smote him on the side and raise him up saying, rise up quickly. And his chains just fell off from his hands. And the angel said to him, gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. Mm. Something hit me the early service when I read that text. It's not in my notes. He was there in some sort of a prison garb. He had the identity of a prisoner on death row. But the angel said, put on your clothes and put on your sandals. Get dressed for deliverance. None of the doors have opened up yet, but go ahead and get ready for a miracle. I feel like telling somebody in this building today, you need to go ahead and put your sandals on.
1: You need to go ahead and put on the garments of praise. You need to go ahead and get ready. It may look like the doors are shut and there's no way out and it's an impossible situation, but I'm going to get ready anyhow because I know my miracle. I feel like in the spirit somebody is going to put on their garment somebody's going to put on their
0: sandals and get ready for the miraculous what about the doors what about the prisoners what about the guards and the angel says cast thy garment about thee and follow me and he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel but thought he saw of it he just thought he was dreaming this can't be right Peter thinks he's in some sort of elevated state that maybe this is what heaven's going to look like, but then he can't argue with the sound of chains falling from his feet and his arms. He walks to the door with the angel and it automatically opens up like he's going to Publix. You know, Christmas Eve, we told the kids about Jesus having GPS with that star long before we had GPS. Heaven also had automatic door openers long before we had it. Heaven's got motion detectors. Heaven knows when hell's just trying to move into an area they don't belong. Ooh, that's why you got to cover your house with the blood of Jesus. I told him in the early service, this could have been a, a desperate time for us as the Myers family. We could have been in a state of tragedy and despair. But instead, we just had a great Christmas, and we've even got a new member of the family, which is another whole story. It's a dog. and we surprised my daughter with it last night and she's crying tears of joy and they're all at home trying to manage him and the boys are there my wife were are taking shifts and we've already got a newborn baby at our house and, and and there's life in our house but it could have been a desperate situation because a little over two weeks ago my son was hit in his car as I told you last week and flipped in the intersection pinned under the car when we got there and the cops saying most of the times these are fatality. this could have been a season of despair and hurt and heartache but
1: it's dead. And here we are. We're standing before you. And we're declaring great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. Why? Because God is good. I say God is good. What the devil intended as evil. God said I'll turn it around. The enemy wants to take you out. The enemy wants to destroy you. But there's a God in heaven. That's disrupting his plan.
0: we disrupt with our message we disrupt with our prayers we disrupt with our worship a few chapters later they've beaten Paul and Silas within an inch of their lives 40 stripes say 139 which was the legal limit Put them in the innermost prison. Here we go again, chains on their feet and their hands. The innermost prison. The guards being told if they escape, it'll be your life. But they get in that situation. There's not a whole lot they can do. Bound up like that, backs bleeding, rats in the corner licking their chops can't really wait to get over there and start nibbling here they are in a desperate situation here's what they could have done why did God allow this to happen we were just preaching the gospel we were just trying to save this crazy city we were just doing what he put on our hearts to do this is the thanks that we get that's what they could have done but instead they look at each other and say hey Do you remember that song that we sung last week? Why don't we start to give God a little praise? And they start to worship. They started to disrupt the atmosphere. An atmosphere of death and doom and despair. An atmosphere of hurt and heartache and a loss of hope. But in the midst of that, two beaten preachers start to sing about the glory of God. And they begin to worship Him. And before long, the Bible says, about the midnight hour, there comes an earthquake that literally shakes the whole prison, turns everything on its head, doors fly open, chains fall off, everybody's running around in fear and panic. Because the disruptors were put in prison. But it don't matter where you put a disruptor. They're going to disrupt these apostolic disruptors full of the Holy Ghost disrupted the atmosphere of that prison. And they began to worship. When the enemy throws everything that he can at you. And instead of going and hiding in the corner and sucking your proverbial thumb and wishing that Everything could go back to the way it was. You choose to come to the house of God. You choose to walk around your house and declare the blessings of God.
1: Hell's done everything
0: he can to destroy you. But you're still here. And you said, I got a praise in my mouth today. I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. What brought this earthquake in the midnight hour that freed them all? The guard getting ready to fall on his own sword. And they have to tell him, no, no, we're all here. We're all here. You don't have to commit hurricane. You don't have to die. We're all here. Why? Because when God starts the work, he's going to finish it. He turned the world upside down for you to even be saved and be in this house today. What all did it take for you to even get to an apostolic Pentecostal church? There was something that was set free in your life. And you found freedom that you could not deny. I've come to tell you the same God that started that process is the same God that's going to see you through. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So regardless of what you're facing, uh, I challenge you in the Holy Ghost today uh, to disrupt the atmosphere with your worship. Uh, Go ahead and begin to
1: say, I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow. I don't feel like it. I can be disappointed. I can be discouraged when I think about all the problems in my life, but instead I think about all of the blessings uh, and God has been too good to me.
0: We disrupt with our message we disrupt with our prayers we disrupt with our worship and we disrupt with our faith when you choose to believe when everything around you is telling you it's not going to happen but you said i believe anyhow can you think about what a what an incredible disruptor jesus was he disrupted Death. Death. They put him in the tomb thinking it would all go away. But then they found out the apostles, his followers, he got, they got the same spirit he does. So we'll put them to death. They couldn't stop it. It was an apostolic disruption that continues. Here we are more than 2,000 years later. And it's
1: still disrupting. I said it's still disrupting there's still something that's rising up in a man or a woman that says, I choose to believe God. The doctors told me there's no hope. The doctors told me the cancer's going to kill me. But I believe that God's going to heal me. I believe that even though the doctors say I'm going to die, I choose to live. I choose to believe the promises of God. I believe with all of my heart that the Lord is telling this church, it's time to believe for the impossible
0: you stand to your feet right now I want to challenge you in the Holy Ghost you say oh pastor I, I'm just a human being trying to get through the Bible says in Romans eight eleven, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body that means there's something that can rise up in you today that can say I'm going to be an apostolic disruptor I want to declare the message of hope in a dark world. I want to pray like never before in 2022. I'm going to worship regardless of what I'm facing. And I'm going to believe for the impossible. Here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like that we can begin to start that process right now. I want you to think of a situation in your life that seems to be impossible. Just get it in your head, whatever it is. Maybe it's the salvation of a family member. Maybe it's the salvation of a friend. Maybe it's a healing in your body or somebody that you know. And it looks like there's no hope. But I want you to get that situation in your mind right now. And then I want you to begin to believe that God's going to turn it all around. And the way that you really believe is you start to declare, I declare victory, I declare healing, I declare the miraculous in my life. I declare that my husband will be saved. Come on, you gotta you gotta speak it into existence. Come on, I choose to be a Christian, I choose to be Christ-like. I'm not going to just lay down and and let the enemy ride over the top of us uh, and somehow take away all of our hope uh, and take away all of our dreams. No, I choose to rise up. Uh, Come on, get up up off the canvas uh, and begin to lift your hands and your voices. And I know this altar call may not be for everybody. But those of you that were able to get an impossible situation in your mind, And you feel like that you've got the faith to begin to believe for the impossible. I'm going to ask you to step out of where you're standing right now and come down to this altar. We're going to start right now with apostolic disruption. He said, I'm going to believe that God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Mm, I'm talking about situations where it appears there's no hope. Situations where it appears it's going to always be this way. No, my friend. God said, I'm just looking for somebody to believe. The Bible said when he comes back, he's going to come back and he's looking for faith. He's looking to see if he can find any faith on the earth. Come on, I want him to find it at East Wind. We still believe, God. Come on, we believe you can disrupt the doctor's uh, report of death uh, and sickness. Uh, We believe you can disrupt what we're feeling, even perhaps in our own spirit. Uh, Come on, a sense of despair. Uh, We believe that you
1: can disrupt it all. Come on, I believe right now, I believe.
0: Use your voice right now. Begin to speak it out in faith. I declare victory. I declare salvation. I declare
1: healing. You've got the same spirit as Christ.
0: You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, your prayers can disrupt death. I said your prayers can disrupt death. That's it. put your voice behind your faith. Faith without works is dead. you gotta speak it speak it
1: Speak it with your mouth in the name of Jesus I choose to believe
2: I choose to believe In the
1: name of Jesus.
2: As usual, it's gonna be different. It's a
1: new year, a new opportunity, a new chance. The atmosphere the darkness, with your praises.
2: Darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are. Way maker, hear it Promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Way
1: maker. Somebody's going to disrupt hell's plans. Somebody's going to disrupt the